Welcome to Fintech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different fintech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Well, welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Sheeran Weitzerman, CEO of Shield Financial Compliance. Shield FC is a platform that allows brokers and dealers to aggregate all the different communications surrounding trades, whether they happen over the phone, via email, text message, you name it, into one platform that allows compliance officers to properly monitor their companies. And with that, here's my interview with Sheeran. Hello, Sheeran. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for joining me from, uh, is it Denmark today? Yes, I'm in Copenhagen. Thank you for hosting me. Yes. Well, my pleasure. Uh, yeah, wasn't sure if it was the uh, the uh, Denmark office or the Israeli office, but either way, I'm glad uh, you can make the time, especially given the time change. So, Sharon, uh, CEO of Shield Financial Compliance, tell us about Shield Financial Compliance. Super. So, Shield Financial Compliance is a cross-regulation compliance platform that provides to financial firms a 360 degrees view of their electronic communication trade and financial data, and we are doing it by utilizing artificial intelligence, NLP, and other visualization uh, capabilities. We are basically dealing with data and massive amount of data in the financial, uh, in the financial services, mainly in capital markets, but not only, in order to address some of the most burning challenges in the financial compliance domain. Challenges such as uh, trade and electronic communication surveillance, and how do you really mix or a fuse between the electronic communication and the trade itself in order to eventually reach a proper trade reconstruction. And here we have another challenge, trade reconstruction, how you do it efficiently and in the right uh, time according to the regulations, as well as a record keeping and a, a holistic investigation that is required for many regulations. As you can understand, we are dealing with data. So we are a, a big data company that uh, provides efficiency for financial firms to uh, address the regulations. Excellent. So we'll come back to all that in a minute. Uh, let's talk about your history and we'll let you to start the company. So what did Sheeran Weissman do prior to Shield FC? Besides being a father. Uh, <laughs> it's a job in itself. I'm aware. Yeah. yeah. So I'm uh, married. I have uh, three kids, uh, uh, young kids. Prior to establishing Shield, I, of course, studied. I had my uh, first degree in computer science. I wasn't really practicing computer science. I was dealing more into the, uh, I moved uh, pretty fast to the business side of, uh, of our IT and enterprise software, uh, enterprise software domain. As so I worked in uh, several companies as a pre-sale and sales manager in different territories. This is how I started to get uh, more and more familiar with the uh, financial domain. So uh, selling, I was uh, selling and supporting uh, customers across the world with uh, financial uh, software, mainly around the electronic communication domain, working with companies such as Nice Systems and others. And uh, through, this, uh, through this process, and as you can see, I'm dealing with this domain for, or part of this world and domain for the last, uh, I don't know, 15 something years. I have started to, the market has changed, right? The domain has changed. I started in 2003 after I graduated, and that was before the, the, the financial crisis of 2008, right? Which 
also shaped, helped shaping the, the world where we are today and what we believe will be further in the future. And the financial compliance, the entire financial compliance or the financial domain has changed due to uh, regulation. I would say mainly, uh, mainly led by the, uh, by the U.S. and the uh, North American regulations such as the Dodd-Frank and FINRA and later followed by the Europeans and, uh, of course, some other regulation in APAC. So through this process and following the market in the last few years, and I saw the changes and noticed that there is a lack of solution, lack of solutions that is actually addressing the structure together with the unstructured data, communicating or uh, connecting the electronic communication together with the trade communication, really providing value out of the massive data that available there, which we were witness to the creation of alternative communication channels through the last years. If you remember, 2008, besides being a financial crisis, was also the first iPhone, which yep. you know, kind of a tipping point for all kind of a other alternative communication channels through the invention of the mobile the smartphone devices. So since then, the world has changed in terms of uh, electronic communication, and everything became faster, bigger, much more data, the ease of communication, and therefore also the ease of colluding and market abusing and other type of uh, fraud and uh, financial crimes, I would say. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it before, it was, you know, start the world started with phone calls, then phone calls, fax machines, then phone calls, fax machines, email. And then suddenly we've had the explosion of social media, texting, social chat um, tools like WhatsApp or iMessage, whatever it is. And clients are going to choose to communicate in whatever is most convenient to them, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. times I get, surprisingly enough, the number of times I get clients just inquiring, They'll just shoot me something over Facebook Messenger. I'm just like, okay, that's an interesting choice, but sure, I can reply here. And then I got to go copy paste that information into my CRM because I want to make sure I keep it all in one place. So essentially, we now have more channels than we've ever had, and we still have the same liability to make sure that we are justifying how we came to those instructions, whether or not we got them approved or not. And you step in the middle and you're solving this problem. So can you take us through what the experience with your platform looks like? Yeah. So uh, you, first of all, you're absolutely right. This is the actual disruption that happened in the market. Many more, many more uh, communication channels have been introduced. Regulation was started to address this specific electronic communication. Started from, I would say, Dot Frank or the Americans, uh, the, yeah. the, America, the North American uh, regulators were the first to address it. And now the Americans and the uh, Asian are uh, picking up and doing the same. And we all know the Europeans love regulation, right? I mean, how many did they pass this year? <laughs> Between GDPR, MyFid2, like it's just one thing after another, right? Yes, they love. And uh, more are coming. Now, uh, next year, they will come. Uh, they will, uh, there is a new, uh, a new regulation or a new wave of regulation like uh, SRTP and um, the e-privacy, which is a, a GDPR on steroid. You can look into addressing specifically, oh, wow. specifically addressing the electronic communication and the requirements from firm to keep it or to delete it or to manage it. It's a whole new world for them. And we are addressing this disruption. So a lot of new regulations, this entire market and no, if you ask me, I, I believe that the, eventually the, or my beliefs are that the regulations are eventually done in a good intent to, to have a better, safer, a more stable uh, world eventually that, yeah, consumer protection or, or uh, investment protection is part of it. And yeah, in parallel, all these uh, new uh, communication channels and new ways and, and the ease 
of uh, communication and, and therefore trading or doing business as well. So we are addressing it. And what we are aimed to do is to break down the silos. Our platform is able to uh, aggregate numerous amounts of uh, data types or data sources uh, from uh, a structure or unstructured. Mm -hmm. Unstructured can be voice conversation, mobile chat, uh, all sorts of uh, financial chat, document, internal communication channels such as uh, Skype for Business or Teams or uh, even uh, personal communication uh, like uh, WeChat or uh, WhatsApp. And of course, we haven't talked about emails and all sorts of mm -hmm. other financial uh, communication. Countless, like countless ways that this all convolutes itself. Absolutely. Yeah. So aggregating all this data together with the orders and execution and market data and all relevant, I would say, environmental data, such as uh, Active Directory or HR data or uh, control uh, other relevant list uh, within, uh, uh, within the surveillance team or a capital market or retail bank, anything that is relevant for them, we have a, a situation where they need to uh, integrate into uh, a, also the CRM data because they would like to know the, the customer details in order mm -hmm. to present customer journey there as part of the uh, trade itself. Mm -hmm. So taking all of these data together and putting it all in one data lake, first of all, save a copy for regularity requirements, save the original copy in the original format, and then normalize the data in a way that it can be presented to anyone as anyone can read it so we said normalize enrich the data so you will be able to start correlate between the different data types so the email will be correlated with the voice and the voice will be correlated with the chat and that all together will be correlated with the order and execution or a crm ticket or something else that can lead into the quick financial investigation in terms of something that happened or just a, a normal ongoing investigation in order to satisfy the regulators. Mm -hmm. So how do you take massive amounts of data, put them into a data lake, and then enable searchability and investigation capabilities in a very clear and visual way and provide efficiency for the compliance officer? That's one thing that we are doing. So end of the day, it's you're taking off, I mean, for wherever you can get an API or some sort of feed, you can draw this into your system, like actually tack it on to the actual trade or action in question and create a reference point where all the communication around it basically references back to it. Correct. But we're doing even more than that. We actually don't even need an API. We already have a pre-integrated uh, platform with all known communication channels. So that's mm -hmm. enabled us to come to uh, uh, any firm and say, and, and say very, uh, with a lot of confidence, that we can deploy the platform within eight to 12 weeks because we don't need to do some sort of an integration or something very specific for them. The yeah. ease of implementing or the burden of doing all the integration has already been done as part of our data acquisition layer, which is a very robust layer here, which, yeah. And it makes sense because, I mean, we're talking about universal communication platforms. It's not like you're going in and integrating into some sort of proprietary bespoke system. Right. You guys are you guys are going in and I guess I mean you already have all the other stuff done. You just got to tie into a couple of things on their on site and you're good to go. Yes, but it's not so easy. Otherwise everyone would have Oh it never it. is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have different voice recording platform with encryption and decryption and a lot of yeah. different uh, channels. And none of the platform and think about it, if we're talking about silos. This is where the silos begin. It's a lot of different communication. Each one of them is being handled in a silo. They have their own format. Each one of them is different, by the way. Every vendor has its own proprietary format. 
their own format, their own archiving rules, or if at all, yep. if they only have uh, uh, something, and their own user interface, and everything is in a silo. Now we need to take and connect to all of these uh, sources and bring it on to one place and present it to the user in a Google-like search. So whatever he wants, or whatever the he or she wants as a compliance officer or as a P1 investigation uh, employee, or it's called level one, I think uh, they're calling it in the banks, they can easily search and grab the data rather than asking the different sources to bring it to them. So that's the first thing that we are doing. But we are also able to run very advanced analytics on the electronic communication and the orders in order to drive alerts. That's a subject that is called uh, proactive monitoring. Some are also calling it communication surveillance, but we are able to monitor and apply rules, very advanced rules, in order to detect all sorts of uh, misconduct behavior or a specific uh, market abuse. So lack of communication around something or too much communication around something, forms of communication that are being used at certain times, not others. You'll get to learn the patterns of how people behave and see how it is they, what it is they choose to do when they're doing the wrong thing, essentially. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, it's a whole new world here uh, because there are some of the, the basic things like, uh, okay, please alert to me where there is a suspicious behavior from an employee or from a trader. For example, when they are deciding to switch channels, suddenly someone, uh, a trader yeah. say, hey, speak with me on WhatsApp or uh, uh, let's switch to a WhatsApp. That should alert. But is that, is that enough to create alert? Bear in mind that one of the biggest challenges in the compliance is the massive amounts of alerts that they have, and they have to review all of these alerts. Yeah. In this, they are calling it, they are talking about 98 or 98 is a lot, but everything between 90 to 98 percent false positives. Now, we need to be oh careful. Oh, God. That was the yeah. medical industry. We'd all be diagnosed with cancer tomorrow. That's insane. Like that's, that's, yeah. Oh. But, but if you're looking into our wider domain, you see that uh, banks are getting more fines, but they're also staffing up more and more compliance officers. Uh-huh. So now we're Good talking about, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone, everyone can, uh, uh, in the past it was, um, you needed to be a trader in order to get a raise in your salary. Now you just need to change your title to a compliance officer and uh, you are getting a raise. And um, there are some, uh, we, we are calling it. The easiest route to, it's the easiest route to employment in the financial industry. That's for sure. I got, I got to say, it's been, I just, I, what I've seen in terms of the growth of compliance departments the last couple of years is just mind boggling. It's, it's akin to tech companies in some cases. But, yeah, uh, recent surveys are talking about 10 to 15% of the overall operational costs are compliance associated. We are talking about something that we've seen in, uh, I think, Deloitte or Thomson Reuters mentioned. They call it the compliance arm race. So financial firms are racing to get the right or the better and the good compliance officers. It's a massive amount of investment or massive investment in people mainly. And that's adding to the manual job and manual investigation and manual work that uh, it's still, most of their work is still manual. But I mean, at this point, isn't a lot of this is just, I think, driven by legacy systems as well. I mean, like you guys exist because of legacy systems. It's because these systems do not actually integrate all the information that's necessary for someone to efficiently do their job, first of all, to avoid false positives, secondly. Because I mean, the example you gave, completely valid, right? Like I could be communicating via email and say, okay, let's switch to iMessage because that's more efficient and it's secure, right? So we're talking about confidential things to the client, to the client's perspectives. That's not nefarious. Yep. So, I mean, you have the combination of, of, of all those things. And then, then you go ahead and throw artificial intelligence and natural language processing at it. And that's, I think, where, you know, you unlock the secret sauce here and how you basically 
get rid of not only false false positives, but also know where your time needs to be spent. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I may say that we started by talking about the the silos of data, right, or yeah. silos of uh, different data sources. Afterwards, we are talking about, or uh, on top of that, we are talking about silos of platform. So uh, financial firms have started to uh, stack in uh, different platforms, legacy systems, one system, transaction surveillance, right? trade surveillance, another platform for archiving, another platform for voice recording, another platform for voice analytics, another platform for uh, chat analytics or for chat archiving. So you're starting to have more and more and more platform and adding additional complexity for the ongoing uh, work of the compliance officer. And I'll try to do some uh, machine learning on this uh, information and try to apply some advanced analytical capabilities. It's, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. The power of what we are trying to do here is to take all this data, bring it together, and try to correlate it. So I don't try to understand what the uh, traders and the sales guy or the trader and the broker are talking on the conversation. I'm trying to understand the semantic behind it. I'm trying to understand the intent and what is the relevant order that they are talking about. And then I'm trying to correlate it together with other data sources and with the order itself to understand the anomalies or the, the, what has happened that shouldn't be. Oh, somehow maybe I will say differently. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. Well, a lot of things happen that shouldn't happen in this industry. Yeah, <laughs> but we are trying to, uh, to detect the right thing. So not only what happened, but also why it happened. And sometimes there is a good explanation and a good explanation can be found in the communication. But how do you connect between the communication and the order or the trade and the execution and also showing the market data? That's uh, not an easy task and that's something that we're doing. Now, when we're talking about the artificial intelligence, we have uh, AI. AI is, a, I would start by saying that AI is the big buzz at the moment, right? Oh, it's uh, either, if you are saying uh, in uh, 2018, if you said crypto, blockchain, AI, then you are safe. Oh, yeah. But, uh, well, here's the check. Go ahead and invest. <laughs> yes, go. exactly. Yeah. So we have been uh, reluctant to say that we're doing AI in the last few months. Only recently, after we, have, uh, we actually had it in place, we can say that we have, but it's powered by AI. It's not an AI independent uh, platform mm -hmm. that you can just come and everything is working. It doesn't work like this when we are talking about our type of data. Our approach to AI is a combination or, or is a mix of uh, the good or rule-based capabilities together with uh, some advanced uh, NLP capabilities and uh, a flavor of uh, machine learning that's sitting and analyzing the data. In that specific case, we have, uh, we introduced to the market, there will be a press release soon of uh, something that uh, we are referring as FCR, which is a financial context recognition. It's our way to use machine learning, it's a supervised, uh, supervised machine learning, to correlate in a very high probability between a specific electronic communication and its order or, or execution. So That's the day, you're taking in all this data, you're looking at patterns, you're looking at text, you're, you're looking at context, and essentially, again, trying to eliminate that 98% false positive number and drive only the issues, again, with a very high degree of, of certainty. These are the communications and the patterns that we're seeing that frankly raise a concern around this one thing. Is what yes. you're kind of saying. Yep. Yes, and we are trying to detect in, in each electronic communication what is the symbol or issuer or any kind of financial context that will enable us to link it to the specific uh, order or execution. That together with uh, a false positive or something that we are calling a high accuracy, high accuracy engine 
allows us to address this uh, false positive uh, situation in a more, uh, I would say, more proactive way. So it's it something that we are calling high confidence score. So we are uh, providing a score pair pair detection or pair alert that they can be adapted over time based on the behavior of the compliance officer. So there's something that is actually mimicking or learning the way that compliance officer is behaving mm-hmm. and what he is actually marking as requires a four eyes investigation or requires further analysis or what is just dismissing fast based on a several elements. So that's something that we are learning and tagging and slowly the system will uh, is able to increase the accuracy of the confidence score. And by yeah. that, we believe that we are able to reduce the false uh, positives. Excellent. I mean, so there, is, there is no magic in that. Huh? We have yeah. to say that, right? No, yeah. there isn't. I mean, there's, there is no, I mean, here it's, it's so much of a lift for people. I mean, if you have, if we have to imagine a world where people have to do the same thing, literally connect all this data, parse all this data, look at the context, find the patterns. First of all, they can't in some cases because it's just beyond human cognition. Once you get to a certain level, it just becomes too complex. And secondly, then basically have to spit that out to someone who's got to review it for actual credibility. If we have to staff this with laborers in the back, you'd have an enormous staff just doing that. And that's, of course, one of the reasons why compliance has been lacking to date is because the ability to do this is something that would crush everybody. So, you know, first of all, thank you. That's a great, great use of uh, technology because, frankly, it creates a, you got to A, find a lot more, a lot of bad actors faster with this type of software and get rid of them and create just a safer environment for, for consumers in general. So it, altogether, when, when you've been dealing with possible vendors to buy um, or possible customers, what's the reception been to what you're doing? Oh, that's interesting. First of all, it depends. Our customers are uh, somewhere in the uh, either uh, the IT surveillance or the compliance officers. And uh, we learned that they are the appetite to purchase. It's very tight to the uh, fines in the market. Of course. They got to feel pain before they care. Exactly. So in the North America, they feel pain. And uh, they feel the pain either with the CFTC or by FINRA. And uh, we have to say that uh, we had a case where a a compliance officer, they said in one of the cases, they said we cannot get, we are not starting to work before there is a system in place. Okay. This is a, a heavy regulated environment where it's clear to everyone that you simply have to have something before you operate. In Europe, it's a little bit different. The regulation, although it's in the market in the last two years, there are no major, uh, major fines in, uh, in that specific subject, not around electronic communication. And the appetite for compliance officers to invest is still, they are still suspicious or they're still trying to delay the decision. And we are telling them, we're having a very open discussion with all of them because it's interesting for us and we, we are learning from every customer that we meet because everyone are doing things a little bit different. They all have the same challenges though. And some of them are telling us and imagine that we are also speaking with the regulators themselves and even they are telling us that yes, no one have received fine. This is why no one is rushing to implement uh, the solution. So we see uh. the implementation no, 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 it is, it is a human, it's a very human. I know it is. I know. Thing. You know, this is unfortunately the, the pattern of a lot of regu- regulation, right? People have to lose a bunch of money, be treated poorly, and then the pitchforks come out. And then, then when everybody's crying for this needs to be solved, then something gets done, right? As opposed to being like, you know what? We should <laughs> probably make sure that we don't experience that problem in the first place. Yes. No, I, I don't believe on myself that I'm going to defend the, the firms, but to their defense, you have to say that they, it was also 
heavy regulations they have. They have to deal with many other types of uh, requirements such as trade reporting, very, very yeah. aggressive. Uh, and they, there is a lot of things that they need to change and a lot of money that they need to invest. It's not easing this part, but uh, still, they have a lot to deal with. And uh, what we see at the moment, uh, going back to your question, we see that the firms that are addressing it now are really, they are the, the true early adapters. Usually tier one firms, usually the technological uh, tier one firms that are not afraid to take, to be the first movers in the market. And um, we believe that many others are looking at them to understand what they are doing and then they will operate. That's one thing that we have learned. I mean, honestly, the, you know, you look at the black eye the industry took in 2008 and still yet to recover from that in public consciousness in so many ways. I mean, every time there's a violation or a trading error or a fine, it just reaffirms that belief. And basically the reputational value just, just continues to diminish because of every problem. I mean, frankly, if it was, you know, I have a very compliance centric view of the universe just because I like to cover my butt and make sure everything's properly done because I'm not a bad actor. But that being said, you look at these, if you're going to basically not implement something like this, you're taking, you're taking that, your reputation into your own hands and it's, it's dangerous. So yeah, I'm sort of an insurance, you know, it's uh, for them as well. Yeah, well, absolutely. Right. You can either pay for your software once a year, or you can pay for the failure repeatedly in penalties and reputational loss. Right. Yeah, so, but looking at this, by the way, uh, you see that most of the firms are investing, are still investing heavily in AML because this is a more robust or more established yeah. uh, regulation. And uh, yeah, See, it's enforced it's, a lot more. It's enforced it's, a lot more. It's much more mature, I would say. Uh, much more mature. I mean, funding of you know organized crime, terrorism, you know, bad state actors, you name it, right? Like it's it's something that kind of, lack of a better term, captures. It's almost like a Hollywood attention type thing, right? Like we always, even in narcos, you want to know how they're moving all that kind of money, right? So, <laughs> so a couple of questions before we wrap up that I ask everybody: If you had one wish and you could change anything about the industry or your company, what would it be? I would love to have a much more open ecosystem for us startups to operate. I know, I know, I know. It's, I, I wrote a full article about yeah. it, by the way. So what does that mean in your terminology? Because I, I got all my... I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Uh, we, for us to deliver or to develop better solutions, we need access to data and we need help from the firms themselves and from the regulators, right? Yeah. There needs to be a much more collaborative approach for the firms, it's, uh, you know, they need to share their data. As much more data that we have, our AI and NLP capabilities will be much more accurate. And then, there are, of course, there are issues with privacy and everything that we can deal with. But this is a kind of uh, help me for me, help us now, and we will help you afterwards in the future. And for the regulators, facilitate more. They need to better facilitate this uh, entire ecosystem and work together sometimes sitting a little bit back and just waiting to see what happened rather than try to help both the firms and the startup understand better what they need to do and how they can collaborate or share data in an easier way. It's assuming they actually have the backend systems where they can actually share that data, which is the bigger challenge. Yes, that's it. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's my wish. Anyway, so what have been the bigger challenges you've faced in, in building this company? Well, there, there are the obvious challenges, right? Uh, dealing with, uh, especially dealing with uh, tier one and tier two uh, banks or financial firms. There is the classic build versus buy. Financial firms, they, they, oh, they come are on. I, oh, I know, but like, okay, name a financial t- institution that built something in house that was world class. One tech product, one tech I, product. I, I, I still want them to be my customers. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say it, I can. Like, it's, 
I know, but the inspiration or the aspiration for them is still there. So they have a, a big IT organization. Some throw me a number last, uh, last week that they have uh, several tens of thousands of developers and the aspiration to develop something is there. And yeah. they have access to the data, so they believe that they can do it. You know what? It might happen. They might be able to do it, but the problem is that it's a project and not a product yeah. and not a solution. Well, there's the problem. They're going to basically keep it in-house themselves, and that's the end of it. Yeah. And, and not only that, I still am highly skeptical of when these firms say, oh, yeah, we've hired all these like world-class developers and blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. The better developers and world-class developers I've met typically work on their side projects while at these institutions and then leave to start their own companies afterwards because that's where the reward is. I mean, who wants to be drowned by the bureaucracy of a major financial institution when they you can, say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They would yeah. limited upside. I mean, it is what it is. It's just, I really wish a lot of them, there's a, there's a couple I've met that have woke, woke it up to this and they realize that, okay, maybe we do buy some, but guess what? We're going to leave them off in the corner in a different building. They're never going to hear from us. Just tell us what you need and that's it. And others who basically said, yeah, we realize we can't do this internally because if we could, it gets the old Zuckerberg line. If you could have made Facebook, you would have made Facebook. If you could have fixed this problem yourself, you would have fixed this problem yourself. So I'm not trying to push you in a bad corner here with any of your vendors. No, no, no. You but despise but, me. <laughs> but uh, Jason, this is the reality that we are facing. You have uh, uh, financial firms with a massive IT, massive IT organization that they are looking into it and maybe they haven't seen the right platform or they believe that they can build a big data lake and have all of this in place. And they are doing it, they are projects. Now, when we are coming and showing them, they say, wow, it looks good, but we already have a system in place or we have developed our own uh, yeah. platform. And uh, yeah, but maybe we can connect with uh, There are all kinds of options oh, yeah. that we can, uh, we can uh, work with them, but yeah. still, the build versus the buy is a yeah. big, uh, in our industry, is a big thing. If we hired you, we'd have to admit we wasted all this money on something we don't need. That's, that's the old challenge. Yeah, 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 you know, you have a big IT organization. They, they think yeah. uh, a, small, a small startup company or a big startup company, you know. Yep. No, that's changing you know, slowly in a lot of companies. I'm glad to see they're, they're starting to wake up to those facts. So I see it as well. Much more openness, and there is also a hype around the fintech and regtech, and uh, yep. to be able to support and to buy from a startup. Yeah, but it's changing, unfortunately, too slow because uh, we're still, you know, we're talking about uh, being a startup and sell to a big uh, financial firm. I have heard it more than once from a customer that it looks fantastic, but there is a risk buying from a startup. Yes, what is the risk? Of course, you know, and we can. Um, uh, there is a constantly running to raise capital or constantly running around customers. And then they said, yeah, no one gets fired by choosing or by buying and yeah. complete it, please. Yeah, no one gets fired by hiring IBM or Microsoft. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, that's, the so, line. that's changing slowly. Yeah. And uh, yes, as we said it before, there are no fines in my market. Although I hope that no one will get fined, but it's a wishful thinking, but uh, eventually someone will get fined. And only then people and uh, the firms will start to uh, operate and then it will be everything needs to be done very fast and very urgently. So uh, these are the main challenges that we see at the moment on top of the different silos that we have described before. All right. And last question before we wrap up, what excites you the most about what you're working on, your company, the industry? You know, what is it that gets you out of bed every morning, happy to go to work? I would say two things. The first one is working with my team. We in Shield, we build a very impressive um, mix of people. We are a team of uh, 20 plus. 
mm-hmm. that are uh, uh, really partnering to the excitement and to the challenges that we have to really make a change and an impact in the market to address some very challenging situation that big firms are, are deciding to avoid. We are dealing with these uh, challenges. So my team is uh, something that uh, excites me. And bringing, uh, I, I, maybe it will sound boring, but to really make a difference, to come to a situation where, or to a market or to a customer where they have a situation that no one could resolve or they were challenged by regulators or by their internal IT, and to be able to really provide a world-class uh, software that is providing them value and having them happy by this value that we are giving. So I would say my team and my customers. Fantastic. And my customers. Excellent. Well, thank you, Sharon, for your uh, for this time and your efforts to make, uh, make it a safer environment for investors and consumers. And uh, with that, thank you yet again. Take care. Thank you, Jason. So that was my interview with Sharon Weitzerman from Shield FC. I hope you enjoyed that. And hopefully his platform makes it a safer world for consumers, investors, you name it, by working out some of these bad actors. So with that, as always, thank you for joining me. My name is Jason Pereira, and this is Fintech Impact. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcast. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.